This is the All Sports Podcast devoted to your favorite teams in North Texas. Welcome to Ballsy, a production of the Dallas Morning News and Sports Day. Our weekly show is proudly hosted. Okay, strike that. Our show is hosted by Kevin Sherrington, Evan Grant, and myself. I'm David Moore, and who knows, maybe we'll have a special guest or two along the way. In this episode, we'll be talking about college football. Catch other episodes by subscribing to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. We're also on social media. Just search Ballsy Podcast on Facebook and Twitter, and you'll be notified of the latest episode. Don't forget, it's Ballsy with a Z. Are you ready, sports fans? Ballsy starts now. Hello, everybody, and welcome into Ballsy, the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News Sports Podcast. I am Kevin Sherrington, joined in the studio by a slim and trim Evan Grant. Evan, what are you doing these days to make yourself so uh, attractive? Well, Kevin, uh, actually, I think it's all a product of just running up and down three flights of stairs every day in our house. At your new house. Um Look at him bragging about three flights of stairs. The townhouse, uh, the town, the going vertical look uh, has has been, I think, a little bit good on my um, otherwise Jabba the Hut like figure. <laughs> I believe, I believe, the last time we counted, the number of chins was down from four to three and a half. Oh, you're looking, you're looking really spelt. You and Willie Calhoun, y'all should have a contest. What do you think? Now, you're not going to bait me into more <laughs> Willie Calhoun stuff. I, I feel terrible that you baited me into that. <laughs> what was Back in 2018. No, I'm not going to, I'm not Saquon Barkley. I'm not going to fall for your Eli Manning. Hey, how about you pay for that with your MasterCard? He's thing? a short, stubby little outfielder. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. This is a new year. Listen, Willie Calhoun looks good. Have you uh, seen him lately? I've just seen some photos. He, really? He, he looks good. He's really he's really down uh, weight-wise. He It was his goal. We're not going to spend a lot of time on the Rangers today, but, you know, he made it a goal this offseason yeah. to lose 25 to 30 pounds. Yeah. He's stuck to it. And Has he so, lost that much? I, I I think he was down like eighteen the last. I was going to say it was, so. it was twenty. I think yeah, right um, there, yeah. And uh, so now the now the see, now the next step is okay. Let's see what what happens with that because we know Willie Calhoun can swing it. Yeah, he's got to make himself a better fielder. He's got to make himself a, a. He doesn't have to make himself necessarily a base stealing threat, but he's got to be He'd a better be base runner. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Um, he was just not a good base runner last year, and I think he's gotten. Something of of a wake up call there, and now he knows what he's got to do, and we'll see, you know, if he seizes it and if he if he stays with it. But enough about that. Uh, enough about Willie. How about them Dabo? How about Dabo, man? And then after the game, that was the longest soliloquy. I felt like he had, had been inaugurated. You know, he must have talked for thirty minutes nonstop uh, after that game. I turned off the post game. Yeah, those, that's hard to watch. Sometimes. You know, when an SEC team loses, I shed a tear. So, <laughs> them Clemsons are good. Yeah, they are. Uh, I think I did my- not see that game. Now, listen, I, I, I thought that game could go either way, uh, uh, and frankly, I can't even remember who I picked. Uh, I don't even remember what the line was. Uh, I'm sure I probably picked Alabama to win, but. Um, uh, that that was uh, I think it was five and a half. That, you know, Clemson. First of all, uh, Notre Dame has to be feeling a lot better. 
now after just getting blown out in the semifinals by Clemson. Uh, they showed us just how good those guys really were. Uh, and it, no, I, I, it's it's possible that Notre Dame was also a pretender while Clemson was that good too. Okay, it's, it's, it's possible. It's possible, but at least they can make that argument. Yes. They can say, "Hey, you know, look what happened to Alabama." Hey, I will say this: in that game, I thought the thing that was telling about that game is that look, we have seen Nick Saban on a sideline. We have seen Nick Saban go off in a game they're up by fifteen, and he's just screaming again. And I don't think it's an act. I don't think he's doing it because he thinks I've got to show these guys that they have to win, even when we're play hard, even when when we're up. In that game. When they got down, he he looked like well I don't know you know I just, he, he, there's shrugs there's a little bit of a hmm uh, I, I there wish. was not well there wasn't there certainly wasn't a moment like there was during the Oklahoma game there was no snapping of the headphones and no and there was no nothing um, close to that attempted um, which to me told me that boy torture of an offensive lineman th- these guys are really good Clemson is really good. I don't know if I don't know. If, I think he probably saw in the in the tape because Nick's a very smart guy. These guys are really good, and and I think that I think that basically what happened was is that you know everybody said that this defensive line at one time before the season started said there's a potential that these are four first round draft picks in the in the defensive line for Clemson. They didn't play like that all year long. They had a, a couple of the guys played really well, but in that game we saw four first round draft picks. Yeah, let me. Um... First, to your point on Saban, you know, I, I think one thing uh, I, I'd love to do a character study on Nick Saban. Man, he fascinates me. I, I don't know what's inside that guy, but I, I'd love to do something on him. But I, the, the thought that I had was was twofold. One, he knew Clemson was very, very good, and two, I think he also knew that he had lost it on the sidelines in the Oklahoma game and said, "I can't afford to do that in a national championship game." I got to rein my I, I got to rein my my emotions into. As far as the game went, I mean, I thought there were three things. Well, there were two things in the game that stood out. Yeah, one was Trevor Lawrence, who yeah. is as poised a freshman quarterback as I have ever true seen. True freshman quarterback. True freshman, and not just poised. I mean, the guy's got skills. You know, well, it's not just game management. Can I interrupt for, to sure. follow up on that point? Gil Brandt tweeted yes after that game. I have never seen a freshman quarterback this good. Right. Never. And Gilbrandt is 106 years old. <laughs> yes. He's 80-something years old. And he said that I would be doing, right now, I would be doing everything I could to, to accumulate as many draft picks as I can in 2021, yep. which is when uh, Trevor Lawrence would be right. eligible to come out. Uh, yeah, I, I was I, I know I, I noticed that tweet last night, too. The second thing for me, and maybe even more impressive, was as a guy who had watched more Alabama than Clemson all year, um, that offensive line just created chasms of space for their running backs. Yeah, at the end was just and Clemson. You get you get him in space, and he's really good. And Clemson just it, it, it wasn't just the fact that Clemson found a way to shut those down. Clemson showed me just how big. And how quick their linemen were. Yeah, um, they, they were they were where they needed to be to keep them from going outside. They were able to bottle them up inside, size wise. That was a impressive 
knockout punch delivered by the Clemson defensive line. Not only – it's just – yeah, offensive line. And, and it was, uh, it was, no, I'm talking about Clemson's oh, defensive uh, line against yeah, yeah. the Alabama offensive line. They, were, they outclassed Alabama in every part of the game. If you look at their wide receivers and look what those guys did, mm-hmm. you know, that Ross, that, that fresh, true freshman. Look at Justin the catch you Mac. How about that catch where he's in the air, reaches out with his right hand and catches the ball. like Catches it out of bounds, brings it back in. It was, and still gets his foot in. That looked like Julius Irving going up for yeah. under the backboard for those, you know, that uh, that dunk. You know, it just Julius Irving kids was a great basketball player. <laughs> um, I realize that he doesn't have like his own special or anything, but when we were kids and had hair, yeah, Julius was pretty special. He was as good as it gets. They but, called him Doctor J. Doctor J. That that was you know. Did I ever tell you the story about Doctor J? Well, I'm willing to side here. No, I was still in college. I was working for a, a local paper in uh, in Houston. In Pasadena, and and they came. This they had this back back when you could do this kind of thing. They had a celebrity all star game there at Hoffines Pavilion. I mean, and they got all these guys. I mean, it was put on by these two jokers, and they got all these guys to come. Right. And well, was he was he still an ABA player at that time? Oh no, no, he was in the NBA. Okay, he's playing, and, and and so he. He goes. I mean, after the game, I'm I'm a reporter. I go in the locker room, and there's Doctor J in this tiny locker room that that u of h used and he's sitting on the floor next to the wall taking his shoes off sitting on the floor next to the wall taking his shoes off and i walk up to him with my press credential and hand it to him and ask him to sign it and that is the only time in my life i've ever done that and i was still in college it was not professional wasn't good but it was dr j i mean come on yeah he wasn't happy about it either for us of a of a certain age i mean it, it wasn't just that they were great players but there was nobody like that exuded cool oh. more than Dr. J and Walt Frazier. That's I true. mean, well, George Gervin. I had well, maybe for Texas guys, but I, I mean, for me, like I needed, I need, I, I never cared about Air Jordans or any of that. I needed a, ca- a pair of Puma Clyde threes when they first came out. Yeah, because that's what that's what Walt that's what wore Clyde on the wore. field. Yeah, that's what, what that's what Walt wore on the court, and man. Were they sweet? They were sweet. They were sweet. Never got them. Yeah, I bet you didn't. Me neither. I'm wearing my my uh, Sears tough skins. Uh, so uh, so going back to that game. Here's the thing. You know who was the quarterback that everybody loved last year? Tua Tagovailoa yeah. for for coming off the bench in the second half and winning the national championship game. He's the hot topic. Oh my gosh, Tua! When he comes out, people are going to love him. And and then yesterday he looked so far inferior. To, no, Tre- Trevor Lawrence, to, to Trevor Lawrence, and you know who is about five inches taller than him. First of all, and and can do everything that he does. Uh, secondly, and has a bigger arm as well. I mean, this guy's the real deal. So so here is Clemson now sitting on a freshman quarterback who just did that. Right now they're they're going to lose several of these guys, including Christian Wilkins, who is. Uh, I wish I knew Christian Wilkins. Did you know he graduated in two and a half years? I did not. He he was working on his masters this year, uh, this this fall. He he graduated with a three something uh, GPA, a, a brilliant kid apparently, and and also you know one of the two or three best defensive linemen in college football. This is a very interesting character here. I'd I'd love to know him. And then you see him after the game. He is he is crying as he embraces Dabo Sweeney and Sweeney. 
just smiling at him and, and hugs him and, and, and is talking to him. And I guess trying to tell him, come on, man, enjoy this moment. Don't, don't be up, you know, don't to lose it like this. So he's a very interesting character. But here's, here's my point I'm trying to make here. Is after the game, uh, people were being asked, is this the changing of the guard here? I mean, that, there's always an, a tendency to want to say that because the team wins. And, of course, we saw that with Ohio State when Urban Meyer kind of won one and, and, you know, and, and took away a little bit of the luster from Alabama. Oh, is Urban Meyer – now, is he the better head coach? You know, who's the best head coach in the country? Is it, is it really Nick Saban or maybe is it Urban Meyer? And now, I got to tell you, here's, here's the thing that, that if I'm Nick Saban, it would scare me about Dabo Sweeney, is that he's got a better team than mine right now. You know, his quarterback is better than mine right now. And – He's a much nicer guy than I am. He is a guy, if you're a great player and you can play for whoever you want to play for, who would you rather play for, Dabo or Nick? It's a good point. Uh, it's a good point. But, uh, yeah, you know, we all see we all see this Nick Satan. Nick Satan. <laughs> Nick Satan. I like it. Nicky Satan. That's what we call him. We all see this Saban veneer on the outside. and That's not a veneer. That runs, but what, that runs how to he, the core. How he deals with players in the recruiting process and all of that, I'm not sure. I have seen the dance video of Nick Saban during a recruiting visit where he looked like, I can't believe I'm doing this. <laughs> Didn't exactly look like he was having fun, but hey, it's it's a talented player, so I got to do it. Yeah, I mean, Dabo looks like he's having more fun. You know, I had, and I am big on guys who look like they're enjoying their job. Um, yeah. I'm big on Dabo looks like he's enjoying the job. You know, even, even for me watching the Cowboy game on Saturday, I was, again, struck by Pete Carroll looks like he enjoys Having his fun. job absolutely more than Jason Garrett does, and the play and, and I will say this: now the players like Jason because he doesn't throw him under the bus and and, 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 and that kind of thing, and then, and then and then, so he's fine. But there's a difference between I'm telling you, there's a difference. You're talking about two ends of the spectrum here. Nobody is more intense and almost unlikable than Nick Saban is right. doing his job, and no one's having more fun and enjoying it and making his players enjoy it than Dabo Sweeney. These are two ends of the spectrum, and this guy just – he just plowed Alabama. He did. And Nick Saban. And, 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 I mean, look, you're 49 years old. Yes. You have been to the national championship game three times in the last four years, right? Yeah, won it twice. Won it twice. You've beaten Nick Saban. Uh, there's no reason for you right now to do anything but be appreciative. Um but they, they are the they are the new number one. They, they that, are the number one. When that new when that preseason poll comes out this fall, Clemson will be number one mainly because of that quarterback. I mean, that is he he they'd be number one if they lost everybody because everybody knows that Clemson and that he didn't lose everybody as we talked about Justin Ross, the the freshman wide receiver, who looked like I mean he looks like Odell Beckham. I mean, uh, what could you not like about that guy? When you've got a wide receiver who can get it like he does and you've got a quarterback who can throw it like, like Trevor Lawrence does, well, now, now you've, you're playing pitch and catch uh, on, on everybody. All you've got to do is play a little defense uh, because, as you, as you noted, uh, they got players everywhere. You know, it's, it's not like it's one or two. Not only do they have players everywhere, what is separated when everybody talks about why is Alabama and Clemson separate themselves from everybody? It's because they've always had the linemen, you know, which are the hardest thing to find. 
great offensive linemen, great defensive linemen are the hardest things to find. And so they've already got all those. They're getting all those guys. And now they are getting the skilled people too, mm-hmm. you know. Tua was a far cry. You know, listen, I, I like Jalen Hurts. He's a nice quarterback. Tua's better. You know, an extra dimension that Jalen cannot bring you on offense. I thought that was crazy when they put in Jalen at the end of the game and then ask him to throw the ball. Right. This is not what he does, you know. Uh, right. He, I thought I thought if they were going to – when the game was closer, I thought that was when they needed to bring Jalen in because he was the – he might have the ability to take the ball and get outside a little bit and run – and maybe loosen up the the, the Clemson yeah. uh, defensive line advantage. Could have been that, and that's yes, and you're right. That's the time to do it. Not late when you're down by four touchdowns and you got to score fast. You know, it just just crazy. I thought that that's what I mean about Nick. He just looked lost in this game. It's like I don't even know what to do. You know, I don't even know what we're supposed to do uh, at this point. So uh, so let's talk about what that means going forward. Uh, not only on the national scene, uh, I think that clearly to me, Clemson will be number one. Uh, in the polls coming out next year should be the clear favorite to win again. Uh, it's just going to be really hard for anybody to beat that offense uh, and when it's going to play the kind of defense it does. And they're going to skate right into the, the, the CFP anyway because they're playing in the ACC uh, and no one has, no one's going to challenge them there. Uh, so so they're going to be there. Uh, I would expect Alabama will be there. Tua Tagovailoa will be back. Uh, who knows where Jalen Hurts will be. Uh, I don't know if he's going to transfer or not. Um, at this point, uh, I don't know why he wouldn't. Uh, right. uh, I think if I think if they won the national championship, I think that that Hertz might have thought, yeah, maybe I'll stay. You know, um, I think the fact that they lost and lost the way they did, and with Clemson looking like that, I think that would have to say to him, I don't know if we're going to get back here, and I, why would I want to be the backup quarterback on a team that's not going to win the national title? Uh, that's no fun. So I would think that would change that part of it. Um, so, uh, it was interesting to me that the first, though, the first, what, quarter, quarter and a half, and they're trading touchdowns, it's like, it's like a Big 12 game, mm-hmm. you know, uh, mm-hmm. there are people running up and down the field here, nobody can stop anybody, you know, every play is a big play, uh, for, for a quarter and a half, it was pretty fun to watch, and then, I gotta tell you, after that, it just got to be such a romp that yeah. it's yeah. hard to pay attention to it. Yeah, I just, there was not... I mean, I think if you cobbled together, you might be able to cobble together four good quarters of football from the whole playoff schedule. Um, yeah, that were interesting. Yeah, um, that's that's true. Yeah, the semifinals were terrible. It was it well. Was, no, I will say this: after Oklahoma got down, yeah, but they were down four touchdowns. You know, I mean, they did. Well, they came back and made a game out of it. Anyway, they did make it interesting. They made it interesting at the end. Certainly more so than Notre Dame did against Clemson. Um, yeah, you know. I, I, Clemson will go in. I saw USA Today's early um, uh, projection for a top 25, and it had your top four as Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, which I'm not completely buying at this moment, and Oklahoma. Uh, Yeah. I can't believe that you're going to cite that, what USA Today is doing, and you're not going to use the Dallas Morning News' own Preseason, way too early, top 25. I, who are these seven people that voted on this? Well, I, I have to tell you, I, 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 I abstained. You know, and I'll tell you why. is because, I, you know, I'm not well-versed enough to know everybody now. Because when you talk about everybody they're going to lose and everybody who's coming in, I'm not paying that much attention. Not being well-versed has never stopped well, you that's from true. 
here, offering an opinion. It's already bogus, though. You know why? You know, we did this before the game last night. We have Alabama number one. Clemson number two. Well, there you go. <laughs> all right, so let's go back our to that USA Today poll. Our yeah. credibility is already shot. We had Georgia number three. Yeah, I'm just not sure on Georgia. I think I think Kirby Smart's got a real job ahead of him. Oklahoma number four. Uh, Ohio State five. Let's go to the top ten. Is there. Oklahoma number four if, if if Kyler does? Kyler's not going to be back, right? So who's the no. quarterback situation? You know that the kid that is the uh, and I can't think of his name. Uh, um, Austin Kendall, yeah. Austin Kendall is the quarterback. You know, that was – remember that uh, going into the season? It was like, oh, no, we're not – you know, uh, Lincoln Riley saying, we're not naming a starter yet because right. Austin Kendall is going to be – it's like, come on. It's going to be Kyler Murray. But it, I was told that there was legitimate thinking that Austin Kendall might be able to beat him out. Now, l- l- let's say, is, is, is that going to you – know, is he going to be able to put up three quarterbacks in a row to have the seasons like they've had here? No. Uh, I'm just going to go out on a limb here and say – that Austin Kendall is not going to win the Heisman Trophy. Do you, do you argue with that? You're going to go out on a limb and say Austin Kendall's not going to win the Heisman Trophy, yeah. that the Heisman Trophy streak is going to be broken. Yeah. Yeah, I think that um, I think if they had gotten uh, Justin Fields, there was some thought that uh, maybe they'd have a third straight Heisman Trophy contender. But I'm going to tell you something. Yeah. Um, Trevor Lawrence would be your yeah. Runaway candidate for the Heisman Trophy uh, I, I think, on January eighth, two thousand nineteen. I would say that he's a good candidate to be the new Archie Griffin, and win to win two of them. Yes, Tebow didn't win two. No, is Archie the only one? To, I thought Tebow won two. No, Archie's the only one who. won. I thought there was somebody in the two thousands that won two. No, Archie's the only one who's ever won it twice. Archie won it back to back. Yeah, yeah. Because because here's the thing, nobody's going to give it to the same guy twice unless that guy is just a dominant player. You know, nobody's nobody's going to want to do that. Yeah, when you're when you're listen as a Heisman Trophy voter, you're looking for reasons not to vote for people. Right. You know, you're you're looking to say who did you vote for this year? Yeah, I I voted for uh, I voted for the winner, Kyler Murray. And did you ex- did you issue that vote after the championship games? Uh, yeah. Yeah. On uh, the would Monday you have before. voted for Kyler before the championship game? Would you have voted for Tua, or would you have voted for Kyler? I, I was leaning toward Kyler uh, just because I felt like that he was lifting a an inferior team, uh, and mm-hmm. uh, and Tua was. Listen, I think when you saw that game yesterday too, get a little pressure in Tua's face. This is what happens, right? He made some really poor throws in that game. I mean. You could set, you know, first of all, the very, you know, the the pick six, uh, that's a terrible pass. Uh, but he also made some other poor decisions, and and you know, this is this is what I always say to people, and it just it's always crazy to me about quarterbacks is that you, they see a guy play and they say, oh, this guy's clearly the best guy, or they see a guy play and say, oh, this guy is awful, and I I say, let's look what's what around this guy. What kind of offensive line? What kind of protection is he getting? Uh, does he have a running game to complement the pass game a little bit? Does he, you know, have some decent wide receivers? Uh, and, you know, Tua was getting tremendous protection back there um, all year long. Right. And then he gets into this game, he gets a lot of okay. people in his face, and this is what he looks like. Uh, so, makes it a little different. To finish out that top ten, we had we have Florida six. Now, USA Today had um, – who did, who did we have five? 
Ohio State. And USA Today had the University of Texas. Really? At number five. We don't have them that high. We got Florida six, Michigan seven, LSU eight, Texas nine. You think it's possible for two Big Ten, Big 12 teams to finish in the top five? Uh, I, I think it's going to be really hard because uh, people are going to, you know, because they, they're going to play each other in the Cotton Bowl. Right. And so and then they're going to play each other probably again in a championship, championship game. So uh, I think, yeah, I think to, to end the season in the top five. Yeah, I think uh, it's, it's I think it's difficult. Yeah, I think it's difficult to get to the to the playoffs where you've got any scenario in which you've got two Big Twelve teams in the conversation. And see, and that's what screws the the Big Twelve, and that's what I objected to the uh, the championship game is because in, in the in everybody else's championship game, you're playing someone from the other right. side. That's another take of yours that's wrong, but. <laughs> Um, I want to get to one other thing on that, and that right. is, uh, I because I keep a long list of things that you write about and I like that. emphasize over and over again. Yeah, where did you stand this year on? Uh, uh, we should expand uh, an eight-team playoff. You know, we had that conversation. I mentioned Rick Goslin. Uh, we were talking in the press box at the Cowboys uh, game the other day, and he said, "I think you should write that they should." should sub- subtract from the playoff and not expand. There should just be two teams again. Hey, you th- this year you could make the case that it there, that there were not four worthy teams no matter no matter what ended up Well, it depends on what you mean by worthy. Do are we worthy of being in the playoff? Yes. Right. We've done what we oh, Notre Dame's done what it's supposed to do. Right. They went undefeated. Yeah, so all of that blah blah blah. Yeah, you know, all those things are true. But I, I don't. I, I guess my my statement would be: this year did not make a compelling case for any reason to expand the playoff system, unless you were going to take the conference championships and make them a first round game, which in effect they are. Yeah, I, I, that's yeah. Uh, you know, I, the problem that they're going to have, and, and we need to bring this up because uh, the CFP uh, people on their board met the other day uh, Monday. Uh, and they said, hey, we're not doing anything. Everybody likes the playoff. Everybody loves it. It's going to be up to the presidents anyway. we got a 12-year contract. Uh, and and basically what they were saying is, we're not changing this. And you know what? I wouldn't either at this point. I, I have written that I, I was for a playoff and, uh, or an expanded playoff. But here's the issue with an expanded playoff. All right. Uh, as, as I, I think know, your point, your, your initial point was that if you wanted to expand – the playoff. Yeah. It was get rid of the championship right. games and go to eight teams. And I think that's a plausible um for at least from a and then you have, from the per, field of competition. And the first standpoint. round is, is at uh at the at the top seeds places. Not a non a non neutral site. Because because here's the issue for the fans, and you got to remember this. Right, you, you can't travel. You did can't fans any- travel to Alabama, Clemson? No, no, they did not. Not to go to not to go to Stanford, not to go to Palo Alto. No, no. Um, and I'm looking at, at future schedules. If you've got an SEC team and a and a uh, and an ACC team, are they going to go to Indianapolis for to, to go watch the championship game at Lucas at Lucas Oil Field? No, no, no. Um, so yeah, I I I, I think that uh, you bring up good points that in a lot of ways. Because the semifinal games are played in the traditional New Year's Bowls, right? You know they are played in the Cotton Bowl, in the in the Rose Bowl, um, in Bowl. in the Orange Bowl, uh, the Peach Bowl and the Fiesta Bowl are part of that mix as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do think people gear up for that bowl 
and that there's no guarantee their team is going to the championship round. So you now you have a problem selling tickets to championship round. So I, I get I get what you're saying yeah. on that point. Uh, is Tommy yelling at us? No, Tommy's, Tommy's talking to somebody else. Wow, Tommy was just so animated for there for a minute. I thought he was arguing with I'm, us. I'm sorry, I can't. I can't hear you. I'm... <laughs> So yeah, uh, so no, I'm not saying that I'm I'm against the play uh, an expanded playoffs. I just think that you had to look look at it like this: you had four teams in this time. The semifinals were a waste, right. pretty much. Uh, I will say that at least Oklahoma made it interesting in the second half. Uh, right. I, but you know, you just don't ever know what's going to happen in these no. games. Certainly, a team can just because these two teams were dominant this time, uh, Alabama and Clemson, doesn't mean it's going to happen that way every year. Right. And there's always a chance that a great team sneaks up and beats somebody. What we're all looking for is it, what happens in the in the tournament, the, the NCAA tournament, the, the basketball tournament. When when you got a Villanova beating Georgetown, when you got I mean, a North Carolina State being Houston, with, you, and with fewer games, you've got fewer opportunities for that and you know I mean even last year we talk about the Georgia Oklahoma game being a great game it was a horrible game for the first half you yeah. know I mean uh, Oklahoma right. completely dominated they had a good game the Clemson Alabama game was not a great game in the first right. at all in the semifinals so um, I, I, I think that my takeaways from this year are I can't make a as much as I would like to come up with a compelling reason to expand the playoff I can't right now no. Um and I still come away with this, and I'm, I'm sorry that this comes across as an anti-Notre Dame bias, but I do have it at this point in time. And my thing is you can eliminate a lot of the uncertainty by forcing them to join a conference. Yeah, get in a conference. Because then if you're, if you're the ACC conference champion, by God, you've played, you played Clemson at some point in time, and you've demonstrated whether or not you belong. Yeah. You know? Um, I don't like this not in a conference stuff. It, 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 it just, to me – puts Notre Dame on a different island than everybody else is operating on. So so that's my those are my two takeaways going into next year. Uh, it's unfortunate we didn't have great games, but you know, we did have a great outcome because I think that that Clemson over over Alabama was a dominant performance by by a team and I, I don't want to take anything away from Alabama. I just think it was a great great performance by Clemson and it was an unexpected outcome I think on on a lot of levels. So so the championship game offered a lot of the surprises that we like to see in sports. It just didn't offer that, you know, that 26-23 overtime, you know, walk-off win that Alabama had a year ago. Yeah, I think the funny thing about it to me is that that uh, that Clemson just won so big. Who saw that? Yeah. No, who, I, I, who, who, saw the, who saw them being that dominant in that game? I think everybody thought, oh, these are the two best teams. But who would have thought that they could – I mean, Nick Saban had never. The, no, no, that, the, there's the, no doubt that them winning by 28 points was just the, big, the biggest loss in, in Nick Saban's tenure at Alabama. Previously, it had was been 14 points. Was 14 points. It's several times. I think three times he had lost by 14 points. And the last team to beat Alabama, the last coach to beat Alabama by more than 14 points was Nick Saban. Is that right? Yeah, he beat him by 17. <laughs> I like that. Uh, so uh, is that when he was with the Dolphins? Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so this is the interesting thing. Now, let's talk a little bit, make it a little bit more local. You mentioned Texas. Uh, we had them ninth, which I'm surprised by that, because I think they will end up in the – you said that uh, USA Today had them where? Fifth. Fifth. It's, that's too high. But I, but I think – I just think the dynamics of the Big 12, especially with Clemson, with, with Texas, with, with everybody playing one another, and so the chances that you're going to play – you're going to end up playing twice over the mm -hmm. course of the season, it just – Really tough. It makes it tough for a second team to be in the top five and in the conversation. I, I would, I would have to say, to me, in my mind, that, that I would pick Texas over Oklahoma next year. 
It's well, but well, because of the quarterback, you you have you know you have Austin Kendall now. Lincoln Riley is a genius, uh, an offensive genius. I don't think there's any question about that. But you know he had special tools to work with with Baker Mayfield and then with Kyler Murray. Yeah, he'll uh, be tested more next year. And Austin Kendall may be great. You know, I, Austin will tell you. I think that he have, I have elements of both guys, and maybe he does. You know, may, maybe he can do that, uh, and and we'll see. But but Sam Ellinger is is a proven product. Uh, at the end of last year, I and certainly in the Sugar Bowl, I thought that Sam Ellinger really showed that this is exactly the kind of court. He he's Tim Tebow esque. He is. He, look the the way he ran the ball in the um and the, and the strength with with which he ran the ball in the in the uh, Sugar Bowl. Uh, that was something that definitely caught my eye. I thought you know the game that I saw in person this year was the West Virginia game. And I thought, again, when he ran the ball mm -hmm. um, or when he got out and moved before he threw, he was a heck of a lot more dangerous than when he just sat in the pocket. Yeah. I thought, and, and he was more accurate, too. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I think uh, – And he's come a long way with his accuracy. Now, he I, was not accurate at all before. I think I, I, Texas made a big statement. And uh, you, know me, you know how big a Georgia fan I am. And you know that I'll sit here and I'll say I don't think they were prepared. I don't think they executed. But Texas beat them in every phase of the game. And that there's no excuse for that on the on the part of Georgia. All the credit goes to Texas. They were the they were a far better team. Far they were far better than the the final score showed in that game. Yeah, I, and I think you know we'll start to see now a little bit of the recruiting that Tom Herman has done. Uh, some uh, that will show more next year. I think it's some of these guys he's gotten. Uh, he had some guys on defense who were young and they're and now they're a little more mature. And I think they're ready now. He did have as he as Tom said after that game. This was a great senior class. They turned this around. You know, right. they. But what he meant was they bought into what we were bringing. The, the, the previous the previous group did not, and, and I they think went away also, very unhappy. I think you've also got you know the the landscape in the Big Twelve has changed um, in that even with Matt Rule there and and Baylor making a nice return this year, Baylor has that has ebbed. Okay, Baylor's not the force it was in recruiting. No, uh, well, they're, they're certainly on the rise over what they were two years ago. Right, but but not at you know at, at the apex no, of what they were. No, I think the uh, TCU kind of uh, wave has crested a little bit. He's going to have to. Uh, Gary Patterson's going to have to find himself a quarterback. Um, and, and so, and, and you know, I think for for whatever shortcomings Cliff Kingsbury had at Texas Tech, I mean, I think he was considered a very very a, a very strong recruiter. And so, I think you've got Texas and Oklahoma now once again. There's no question that that's the cream of the Big 12 crop, mm -hmm. and they. W I think that Texas will see a recruiting boost for several years until somebody comes along and surprises. And, and, and unless, and that's a very good point, unless because you don't have to remember here of Texas A&M, mm -hmm. as as we have said many times, it is very difficult to have three programs, and I say three in Texas, <clears> I count Oklahoma. It, to have Oklahoma, Texas, and A&M all up at the same time, all right. be top ten teams, is impossible. There's just not enough. What they have done in response to that is that is that Jimbo Fisher, hey, I'm, I'm going to go over here to Florida and get some guys. And Tom Herman is recruiting more nationally because of that, and, and Lincoln Riley is too. You can't rely just on Texas blue chips to win it all anymore. You've got to go out nationally. No, you've got to recruit. I, I, think, and I think you've got to – I think you've got to recruit the entire Southeast, you know, primarily, and then go out nationally and. and oh, you got to get some California yeah. guys. You got to you got to get a little bit of everybody. But All right, I want to wrap this up on one last thought uh, here. Um, Do you have a thought? Are you how surprised were you at 
Dana Holgerson leaving a Big 12 school that's that's a you know kind of a landmark school for Houston in an, in a group of five conference? I think there were several factors here. One, he'd been at Houston before, and so he, he was comfortable with that and going back there. Two, not happy at West Virginia. They're not happy with him. He was getting out before they fired him. If he has a bad year at West Virginia this year and there's a good chance West Virginia wouldn't be any good, right. they're going to fire him. Three, Tillman Fertitta got him $4 million. Uh, and, and Tillman's a billionaire in Houston who is who is floating that whole program all by himself. You know, uh, there there's not I would I would say there is not a booster in the country who's doing more for his program than Tillman Fertitta is doing for Houston. He's he's everything to them and what they're trying to do. And they are trying to jack this whole thing up to get to make themselves attractive to the Big 12 and hopefully that they would take them. As a, as a member, that's what that's their entire goal. Right. So knowing all that, that's why Dana's doing that. And the, and then the, the the fifth thing here is that Dana knows that Art Bryles came here and went on to a Power Five school. Kevin Sumlin came here and went on to a Power Five school. Tom Herman, Tom Herman came here and went on to a Power Five school. This is a stepping point for me. And if it's not, I'm getting four million dollars a year, right. and I'm back in Texas, not in West Virginia, where there's no players. So so that, those were all factors. So I'm not not completely surprised that he was able to do that, uh, but somewhat a little you know it's it's uh you know and they're and they're getting a guy who's really good offensively nothing on defense you know but that doesn't and i had people say to me oh he's just an offensive coordinator and said hey look around in the big 12 it's mostly just offensive coordinators there's not a lot of that and and, and i know you said that was the last thing let's say one more thing is the last thing sure. is that so cliff kingsbury who can't win at texas tech right can't win at texas tech he's an offensive guy all the way no defense whatsoever. And this is quite the post-firing trajectory. <laughs> if he takes a job, so he get um, immediately as soon as he's fired, everybody in the NFL is trying to hire him as an offensive coordinator. He goes to USC, which I thought was crazy. Uh, you know, here was the thing to me about this: the only reason you go to USC is if you think the head coach is going to get fired, which he may. Kim Helton, he may get fired, and and then you and then you swoop in and you become the head coach, and you're the head coach at USC, how cool would that be right. for Coach Cool? But then all of a sudden all these NFL teams are coming to you, the Jets are coming to you, the Arizona Cardinals are coming to you, wanting to interview you not as an offensive coordinator. As a head coach. As a head coach. And then USC says, no. We, we say you cannot talk to our guy. We're not, you're, you're talking about not letting your offensive coordinator talk to an NFL team about a position as a head coach. Well, my only issue – on this front is that and we know that head coaches in college football are mercenaries anyway sure all head coaches um but my deal my, my deal would be if i'm hiring an offensive coordinator to me there's a there's there's a line there you come in you're an offensive coordinator you're there for a year or two and and it's a stepping stone right it's hard for me to say oh yeah you can sign this contract but now if something else comes along in the interim, before you ever coach a practice or a game for us, yeah, sure. Because then why even sign a contract? Yeah, but he's an offensive coordinator. He's improving himself. That's like in the NFL. I, I get he, it. You know, look at look at Manny Diaz takes the job at Temple. I know. And then turns right around and 14 uh, days later goes to Miami. Yeah, back I, to Miami I, as the head coach. It, it's it's all kooky. That, that that that's kooky. Although I would say it's well, all kooky. He was at Miami, and so he's not having to leave. All kooky. All oh, of that. Oh, we're getting waved around. We got to cook it up. The, but uh, what we get what we get to is at the bottom of all this coaches get their money coaches get their don't. opportunity and players don't and that's something that's got to be fixed 
Absolutely. So long, everybody. Bye. Thanks for listening to the College Football Ballsy Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our weekly episodes on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search the Ballsy with a Z podcast. Until next time, sports fans, we'll see you.